Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. that it is a good morning whether I want it or not. Please go away, let me speak for the love of God! Back, back to school again. <laughs> Do you remember music over the PA in school? No, we never had that. You didn't have music before the bell rang? No. You underprivileged yeah. boy. This stuff all came in at Ashwood Secondary College <laughs> well after I left. But not even primary school? No. 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 Wow. Never. I remember they used to let some kids you know, take turns on programming the music. It was usually classical music before the bell rang. Because kids have a good appreciation No, but, no, no, but that's I want a <laughs> Beethoven's fifth. No. <laughs> well, it all came to an end one day when one of the kids put on um, Right Said Fred. I'm too sexy. <laughs> oh, man. I hated school. <laughs> what about you? Uh, it was something to do. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind primary school, but I absolutely hated high school. Like, primary school for me was like all about lunch orders. Yeah. Art smocks and slap bands, right? Yeah. And Marvel. <laughs> high school was a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. No, high school... <laughs> high school is not uh, kind gener in general to people uh, who grow up to be movie fans. <laughs> Shall we say? I think we're pretty cool. Uh, yeah. It's just... That's not a sentiment shared by the majority of the population. <laughs> well. Especially not in high school. Okay, so how about we relive those traumas and spend the whole episode talking about <laughs> school? <laughs> no, thank you. I've, I've spent absolutely no money on uh, shoving all of those uh, feelings and memories down, and they only come back uh, in nightmares, like, or if I have Panadol before I go to bed. <laughs> Is that, am I the only one that happens to? If you have Panadol before you go to bed, you have really fucked up nightmares, like dreams? You no, must be. You must be the only one. Me. You ever given a ever given a seagull a panadol inside a an aspirin inside a piece of bread? No. Supposedly they explode. Yeah, I've never. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a fucking serial killer. So no. <laughs> As a kid, I was always heard, I've heard these stories. I always wanted to try it, but never had the guts. No. No. <laughs> no. On that note. <laughs> Hey school friends, welcome to Good Movie Monday, the weekly movie show presented by FakeShemp.net, home of that nerdy cinematic ramblings. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Glenn Cochran. I've got a brown paper bag with $3.60 in it, and uh, which back in the day would have got me a big M, uh, pizza single, curly whirly, and a sunny boy. <laughs> and uh, here at the desk with me is Ben Helwig, who's been begging to swap my big M for an orange Prima. How are you, mate? I'm good. And some lagoon sticks, please. <laughs> Primas were great for stomp popping. I was always, I never, I never really got uh, like the official, like an actual Prima. Like I had like Ribena and stuff oh. like that. But they weren't the, they weren't the 
the Prima brand. Oh, Ribena's pretty good, but you R- probably have the Golden Circle shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. A lot of Golden Circle. <laughs> and uh, Space Food Sticks. Do you remember Space Food Sticks? I certainly do. And uh, roll-ups and stuff. And breaks. Hey, great lunches. Our international listeners are probably really confused yeah, about what, what we're talking about. So maybe for the benefit of uh, all of you overseas, we'll refrain from using words like dimmies, chico rolls, <laughs> rubbers, dunny, wag. What about whiz fizz? Whiz fizz. Surely everyone had whiz fizz. In Australia, like they nerds. did. No, not overseas. You don't think so? No, they, they didn't even call whiz fizz sherbet. What do they call it? I don't know, but sherbet over there is ice cream. Yeah, right. Or gelato. I mean, look, to be honest, I was shocked when I found out that in the UK they never got Get Smart and didn't understand what you meant when you said, oh, 86 that. <laughs> That's and like, shocking. What? And you're like, oh. so I don't, under- I don't understand overseas. Just like overseas don't understand uh, <laughs> overseas. Would you believe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a whole episode from a cone of silence. That would be great. Let <laughs> me <laughs> <laughs> just talk like this. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? <laughs> oh, fucking hell. So, yeah, we are going back to school today. So, grab your backpacks, pull up your socks, and then roll them back down again. <laughs> Whack on your Legionnaire's hat and join us as we walk through some of our favorite school movies. Ah, damn, this is a subject that's open to interpretation. It is indeed. Uh, I mean, there are so many school movies that are just unlike other ones. So you've got your, your typical Goodbye Mr. Chips type, but then you've also got your Prom Nights and your Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Grease, Substitute. They're like all completely different. And then you've got like, but then you can go up to, to university yep. and stuff like that. Then there's things like Police Academy <laughs> and, uh, you know, stuff like Vice Academy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Combat Academy. Com- Combat Academy. And then you've got, then you've got things like um, Moving Violations, which is traffic school. I know. And, uh, or Bikini, tra- and, bi- and then Fred Holland Ray's Bikini Traffic School <laughs> and Bikini Car Wash. Wasn't there a Snowball bikini. Academy? There's, there's Snowballing, but I'm sure there's a slow... <laughs> And then things like, was it Hot Dog and like Ski School, <laughs> Ski School 2. <laughs> Haven't seen part two. No, I've got the, I've got the little, uh, little video store cutout for Ski School part two, Ski yeah. School 2. Suffice to say, I don't think there's a rhyme or a reason to today's show. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's just a lot, there was a lot of options. It's a broad uh, topic. You might be new to this show and only listening for the first time. And if that's the case, welcome. Uh, we have a bunch of contributors and segments spread across the show. So don't go anywhere because coming up, we have the school bully himself, Jared Gunn, with the new release update. Uh, the overachiever, Guillermo Troncoso, with movie news updates from Screen Realm. The prom queen herself, Chloe Ritchie, discussing one of her all-time favorite school movies. And the Red House captain, Adam Ross, with a recommendation. And let's not forget those unfortunate foreign exchange students from America who no one likes to talk to. Joe, Chad and James with another Bonehead Weekly Fun Size segment. I like Joe. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Uh, no, no. Now that James has that handlebar mustache, I'm all about uh, more about James. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've moved on, but surely, if any episode, if the coach was going to make a return, any episode, this is the one. I know, but he doesn't. He doesn't. No. It's a shame. Opportunity lost. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben. Um, describe what an average packed lunch was for you as a kid. Oh, so it was. Um, <laughs> It was always there was a sandwich that was cut diagonally in half. Crusts, crusts on, 
Wrapped in glad wrap. How come, like, you're supposed to have curly hair when you eat crusts? I did have curly hair. <laughs> I'm sorry. Back in the day, <laughs> I was like a strawberry blonde little cherub. Uh, as opposed to the, uh, the the biker gone to fat that I, <laughs> that I am now. So sandwich? Uh, sandwich and a Ribena. Mm-hmm. Back when it was healthy, remember it was supposed to it be healthy? It was supposed to be healthy. It was fruit juice made from real black currants. <laughs> the, uh, the ideal source of vitamin C before they got sued. Yeah. And then there, there may be... It would depend... Like sometimes they sometimes I get lumbered with carrots, <laughs> oh, yeah. but a lot of the time it'd be like a muesli bar, mm. or uh, that'd be for morning tea. Soft like muesli, muesli bar, bar or crunchy? Uh, I used to like or chewy. I should say I used to like both, but mainly the soft ones. Because mm-hmm. uh, Kellogg's, the hard ones were a bit too hard, like they <laughs> a bit dry. <laughs> Jawbreakers. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't great. Um, or space food sticks. Yeah. Or uh, a roll-up. It sounds like a good time. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, worth trading. You? Worth trading. Well, yeah. Well, what about me? Far out. Get copper load of this, and I hope my mum's listening. Um, this was back in the eighties, of course, like primary school. I'm talking, and Woman's Weekly was responsible for a whole lot of atrocities here because they would tell mums to get experimental with the foods and shit like that in your lunchboxes. Cop these for sandwiches, right? <laughs> these were recurring staples in my lunchbox. This one's fairly simple, but lettuce and Vegemite. Which, you know, that's impossible. But, <laughs> how's this for a fucking sandwich? Grated carrot, grated craft cheese, and sultanas. Well, that's interesting. Mm, I used to love it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I always loved it. Like, there's always, like, that thing that you liked that everyone else thought was gross. Yep. Like, I don't know if at your school, did the parents used to volunteer to run the canteen? Oh, sometimes. My dad used to uh, volunteer and work in the canteen one day a week, and that was the week that we got... For lunch orders, <laughs> and I didn't realize it because when I first started going to primary school, they had a Hawaiian roll on wow. the menu. Yep. And so every like I would just order that for my and I didn't I didn't realize I didn't understand <laughs> that the reason that we could only have lunch orders when Dad was working in the canteen is because after that first year they took the Hawaiian roll off the menu because <laughs> I was the only person in school who would order it, and it basically was it was like a roll. Mm. With cheese and pineapple in it. Yep. Like, didn't even have ham. It was yep. just cheese and pineapple. It's a... It's a, <laughs> bloody good roll. I was going to say, it's great. But it's <laughs> also... It's a word that you're not allowed to use anymore is person's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was... It, like, I, I look back at it now. I've never been tempted to recreate it now as an adult and go, hmm, what if I melted cheese on it? And, and, and give it a try, but... Yeah, and like everyone else kind of, you always used to look at me funny, like, what are you eating? And well, like, why wouldn't you? Like, Imagine how people looked at me when I had a sliced apple and mayonnaise sandwich. Yeah, that's just weird. I know. It's pretty good, though. Like, we, I used to have liver, liver, uh, liver first mm-hmm. sandwiches. <laughs> worst, liver worst. Or uh, peanut butter or cheese. But that was generally... Peanut butter and cheese or or cheese? No, or. Okay. That'd be gross. I only, I only ever liked... Like, aside from the aside from the Hawaiian roll, my sandwiches are always single ingredient <laughs> affairs. I didn't like to mix and match, and I like the same thing all the time. I was like that kid, you know, <laughs> and you would have had this experience, like when you're when you're working in a VS store, and you always get parents come in with their kids, and their kids will pick up like pound puppies. And they go, I want to watch these. Things. You've got that at home. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, that's what I want to watch. 
<laughs> or they, you know, they you return you return your five weeklies, and then they'd want to borrow the same. Mm-hmm. Like we just watched that one. That's what I want to watch. I, that was me with lunch. My mum told me that if I hired Sesame Street to follow that bird one more time, <laughs> the condition was I never rent anything else again. And I fucking rented it. You better believe it because I knew she was bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, how about we talk about movies? That is what we're here to do. But first, let's sure. uh, throw it across to that guy who used to tie your shoelaces together and piss in your locker. Let's see what he has to say. <laughs> Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. Huge, huge week for home entertainment. I know I say it all the time, but this week it is particularly true. And it is odd because it's only really two distributors releasing titles on home entertainment. Because uh, I'm not talking about distributors are releasing Hallmark Christmas movies in multi-packs on home entertainment this week. Sorry, Ben, but Glenn, I have mentioned them, so you can't say after this segment what Jarrett failed to mention because it just did. So coming out from Roadshow from the Warner catalog is James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. It's coming out on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray and DVD. If you're thinking, yeah, I saw that movie like five years ago, forget what you know. It's nothing like that. This is James Gunn's Suicide Squad. It's got the limitless imagination of Guardians of the Galaxy plus his, uh, you know, no holds barred nastiness of Slither and Super. This is something else. And it's coming out on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray in special editions. You've got a commentary with Gunn. You've got deleted and extended scenes, a gag reel. You've got eight bloody featurettes. How many films have eight featurettes? Fucking hardly any. And three trailers. It is a pretty decent release. And 4K enthusiasts, you'll be pleased to hear that the 4K's got Dolby Atmos. Then moving on to Umbrella Entertainment, their most important release this week. And I know I'm saying this because I am biased, but look, regardless, you might not believe me, but I think it's one of the best films of the year. Coming Home in the Dark is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. But if you've seen the film or you're really interested in the film, I suggest picking up the Blu-ray because the Blu-ray is loaded with special features. It's got a commentary track with co-writer and director James Ashcroft. It's got a short film that was co-written by the Coming Home in the Dark screenwriters being Ashcroft and Eli Kenton, directed by Ashcroft called Pigs. It's got four featurettes that this guy directed. It's got a theatrical trailer, and I even do a commentary on that because I cut the theatrical trailer for the film. It's got TV spots, and it's got a myth Q&A with Zach Hepburn with James Ashcroft. It is a pretty extraordinary release, and that's coming out on Blu-ray, but it's also available on DVD sans any special features. Then Umbrella are releasing their second 4K Ultra HD release for the year following, I think it was in July they released Whiplash. Now they're releasing Jennifer Kent's The Duke on 4K Ultra HD. The good news is it's got all the special features that were on the second site release that was released a couple months back, but now it's going to be released on this local release at a much more affordable price, which is great news. Then joining the Beyond Genres line is the Spirit Brothers Undead. This is their first feature from 2003, and it's coming in on Blu-ray. It ports all the special features that were on the previous Mad Men release, but also adds a limited edition soundtrack CD to the release. And of course, being Beyond Genres, you get a fancy little slipcase with that too. Then joining the Ozploitation Classics line is Stunt Rock on Blu-ray. It's loaded with special features. It's got heaps of featurettes, but it's got one all-new featurette with Brian Trenchard-Smith titled The Ultimate Rush, an interview with Brian Trenchard-Smith. Then coming out on Blu-ray for the first time locally is Driving Miss Daisy from Bruce Beresford. This thing is loaded with special features. It's got commentary, it's got featurettes, interviews, it's got much, much more. Uh, look, you know, it's it's weird to think where this film sits in this day and age because at the time it was considered to be, you know, it was an Academy Award winning, it won Best Picture that year. But now, obviously, there is this whole uh, sort of thought that this, you know, these faux uh, race relation movies that really kind of 
maybe did more harm than good. I don't know. Look, it was a very entertaining film when it came out and I'm hoping to revisit it and hope that I get a similar feeling as to what I did when I first saw it back in like 1989 or 1990. It was a long time ago. Then a bunch of special mentions because look, Umbrella are releasing that many releases this week that I can't talk about them all. But you got Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which is a new film with Nicolas Cage, directed by Sion Sono. Uh, they're releasing that on Blu-ray and DVD. I enjoyed it. It's pretty trashy and way out there, but I had a lot of fun with it. They're uh, re-releasing Sirens uh, with Elle McPherson, of course, and Hugh Grant, and that's being re-released as part of the Sunburnt Screen series. Head-On's coming out on Blu-ray for the first time on the Sunburnt Screens. Uh, Blu-ray release, if you like uh, Alex Dimitrianis, or you like seeing his wiener, you might enjoy that one. There's a double pack of some classic monster movies, Monolith Monsters and Mantis coming out on Blu-ray. Another Beyond Genres title coming out, The Beast on Blu-ray. Then a couple DVD-only releases, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud, which is a shame that's not coming out on Blu-ray. I've got the US Blu-ray from Kino Lorba. It's a really cool film. And then the last film that's coming out on DVD that I wanted to mention was Trey Edward Schultz's Waves, which is a film that didn't really get a proper... Uh, didn't get the amount of attention it rightly deserved. It had a very limited theatrical release earlier in the year and now it's coming out on DVD only. This is the guy that directed It Comes at Night and this film, you just need to see it. It's a very um, heartfelt drama. It's very different from It Comes at Night. So this, this director is absolutely showing the ability uh, as a multifaceted filmmaker. But anyway, that was a ton of releases, but that's it for me for this week. So until next time, stay physical. And just like Ben, Jarrett is from Monster Pictures, and uh, we'll keep reminding you that Monster Fest is coming up in December, so everybody should jump onto the Monster Fest social media pages and the website and uh, get a load of the program and get some tickets. Yes, support the festival. Very exciting stuff. Cinemas are now open too, so not only Monster Fest, but people can just, you know, go and watch movies. They can just, whenever they want, <laughs> they can just go out <laughs> to a place that does nothing but show movies isn't that special like <laughs> what a crazy idea who thought of that but you know if you're used to lockdowns and you enjoy being at home there's also as jared said plenty to watch at home including coming home in the dark you know which you guys have put out and i i couldn't recommend this one enough i freaking loved it i think it's it's definitely one of the if not, if the not best movie that we've released it's up there it's for sure definitely up there for sure um all right well I think when a lot of people think of school movies, they think of those, I guess, teachers that swoop in and inspire young minds, and usually they're sort of, you know, underprivileged thugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's always a rough school. Like, yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer has to come and teach them literature. It is a generic formula, and they are all basically carbon copies of each other, but nevertheless, the draw is completely appealing. There must be something that we attach to psychologically with these films because we go back and pay money to watch them every time them again, because they feel good i mean lean on me stand and deliver dangerous minds freedom riders dead poet society they're all the fucking same yeah <laughs> i don't know what it is but well, i reckon that? most people our age it'd have to be two sir with love i would say i would say people who are a good 10 to 20 years older than us <laughs> but two sir with love i feel like like goodbye mr chips was like a was a big one. Yep. But if you didn't grow up with Bill Collins and Ivan Hutchinson, then you know there is a chance you wouldn't have seen it. If you grew up with only four channels <laughs> and that 
and then the only the three other channels playing sports, <laughs> and that being the only movie. Well, the reason I say our generation probably you know knee jerks towards to serve with love is because we were at that point where it was still being replayed on television all, all the, the time. time, all the time, and so it was sort of unavoidable. But the reason I mention all of these is because what I want to stop and talk about for a moment, I guess, is kind of the blueprint for all of them, and that is a 1955 film, Blackboard Jungle, starring Glenn Ford, who I reckon is probably in my top 10 favourite actors of all time. I just really love this guy. Um, but I, yes. love, I love him in Advance to the Rear. That's that's one of my favourite Glenn Ford movies. Yes, well, anyway, this is that story, and possibly the first, like you said, Goodbye Mr. Chips had been around um, but that was kind of different in the in the arc, the narrative. Well, it's a, and isn't Goodbye Mr. Chips British? It is, which is a very they have a their school tradition stuff is is very very different to the American mm. um, side of things. Well, up until To Serve with Love came out, which then the schools, the sixties had kind of happened, and the schools were very much more like the American ones. Yep. and they admitted to the fact that they actually had <laughs> common schools. Not it yep. wasn't all Yale like Harvard and Oxford and well, speaking of those British you know. types, before I jump into Blackboard Jungle, I just got to say that um, what inspired today's show and the theme is the imprint label recently released the Browning version onto Blu-ray. Oh. Both versions, the 1951 and the was it 1994, I think it was, and was supposed to have Matthew Modine as a guest interview on the episode. And the interview went ahead, but the audio did not, so we couldn't really include him. But that film, the Browning version, particularly the 51 version. Right up there for me with these school movies. I did not. I haven't seen it, but uh, I, for years we had the the um, the latter one, the yeah, the Albert, Albert Finney, Finney one, version. Yeah. And I just I would always like because I love that era. Mm. I love anything that's set in between World War One and World War Two, or just after World War Two. Yep. Like I, I just love that that time period. And uh, I always pick it up and then read the back, and I'm like. Well, you know what? It's it, it it's it's nowhere near as good as the original. Like yeah. it's still pretty decent, but you know, go back and watch that black and white one. It is special. Loved it. But anyway, the Blackboard Jungle. Like I said, this was the prototype for all of those movies. And Glenn Ford plays uh, a new school teacher who arrives as sort of a multicultural inner city school that's sort of out of control. The classrooms are overrun by sort of thugs and delinquents, and and this guy just sort of comes in and lays down his zero tolerance policy and takes no shit and. I just I think it's fucking great stuff. It's sort of what I love most about it, which most people point out if they've seen it, is that the lead one of the lead thugs was Sidney Poitier, which is just amazing because twelve years later he would go on to be the teacher in yeah. To Serve With Love, and it is like he's playing that that kid, except in To Serve With Love, you know, he's from Ghana, you know, British. British they could have Ghana, made it a follow-on, but they could have totally have done it because yeah. he is still, even though he is very much a. Like he's like he's like the leader of the pack kind of thing, totally. kind of. Not Vic Morrow, kind of is too. But oh, I forgot he was in it. Yes, yeah, yeah. young Vic Morrow, who I had no idea that he was like a James Dean mm. type when he was younger. Yep, yeah, uh, and he is great. He is great as the asshole. Yep, um, kind of kid. Absolutely. Well, I haven't seen Blackboard Jungle for a long time, but it has become that movie now that I think of automatically when I think of these films. It used to be yeah. Too Sir With Love, now it's Blackboard Jungle. And yeah, I just, I adore it. Um, I think it's better as well. <laughs> you think it's better than Too Sir With Love? I do. I would. I have a soft spot for both, but I, I would. I would disagree only because I, th I think they, they are very different movies, but um, Blackboard Jungle is, it's more, it's definitely more about him and his personal life than him 
like getting through to the kids. Like, like welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> yeah, it's all like, about the personal life. Yeah, he doesn't really <clears throat> like he does figure it out, but he at the for the most most of the movie, it's him being frustrated with his inability to reach the kids. Yeah, rather than them actually learning anything from him, and mm-hmm. then you know, and they he he gets through to Sydney Portier really, but kind of he's really the only one. <laughs> And because he's constantly on, like he's clearly got a favorite and he yeah. does stupid things like call, he constantly calls him out, like in the class to, you know, have private chats and stuff. And you're like, this is a bit, <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> like you're painting a target on this kid's back kind of thing. Different times, mate, different times. But you know, and there, <laughs> and there's a lot of like, considering what it is, like there's a lot of talk of like, they're all on, on Coke and heroin and I know. stuff like that. Like it is a pretty kind of hardcore school and it does, it Almost, it doesn't quite open on a rape, but it gets pretty close. It, it's pretty close to the beginning. Well, it's, as, it's as close as they could get to that in, in, in that, that era. Film. But then, I mean, and but the violence is pretty full on too, because that because um, what's his name, Glenford, kind of catches catches this guy trying to rape one of the teachers, mm-hmm. and they have a bit of a fight. And to get away, the kid d- jumps through like a plate glass window. Yeah. And then when Glenford catches him by the pants and pulls him back in, <laughs> and his face is shredded up. Yeah. And then you know, and be, and as revenge for that, because no one knows, like the, it never gets out that the kid was trying to rape the teacher. Mm. It's just they just think that Glenford just beat this kid up for no reason. Then he gets attacked mm. in an alley with another teacher by seven of the kids, kind of thing. But how much is that that whole rape motive carried on through all the other sort of adaptations throughout the years? You know, like your. Is it Stand and Deliver? I think had that in it. I oh, know the principal definitely did. There was the principal definitely does. Yeah, I, I, I've maybe never... it was Lean on Me. There's another one there. Or class of 1984 definitely yeah. has it. Yeah. So... There's and that like unlike unlike To Serve with Love. To Serve with Love is a much more um, kind of saccharine sweet. Yes. Version it has a song. Like, it, it, <laughs> it it's got a couple. <laughs> uh, what I really like about To Serve with Love though, it, it's it is. It is a weird movie from an educational standpoint because he's like, I'm just going to teach you stuff that you need to know to live. It's like Con Ed uh, from school where they're like, this is how you read it. Like, this is, you know, biased newspapers. Like, pay attention to this. This is how you fill out your government forms. This is what, you know, stuff like that. Like, this is how to deal with having a period. Like, all this kind of stuff. That's what he teaches in the in, in To Serve With Love. Mm-hmm. In this one... He doesn't really teach them anything in Blackboard Jungle. <laughs> There's like he like at one point he writes a couple of sentences on the on the board with incorrect grammar and gets them to correct it, which they they rebel <laughs> against. But that's the only real evidence that he's teaching them anything. <laughs> I'm certainly glad that you scrubbed up on uh, Blackboard Jungle because it's been a long time since I've seen it. Like it is, it is a great movie. Yeah. Like it is, and it is full on. Anne Francis was who I was thinking. Ah, She's yeah. in Black ba- in uh, mm-hmm. Bad Day at Black Rock, and she's great as his wife. But it is a very odd film. I was not expecting... I went into it blind. Yeah. Like, I knew that um, Sydney Poitier was in it. I didn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. And that's a great title. Not, sorry, not Sydney Poitier, Glenn Ford. Yeah. And then I was surprised when... I was like, hang on, is that? Yeah. But the other surprise, the big surprise, is the guy who is playing... A, like, he's playing like a... What do they call him? Like, he's, he's the kind of not quite... He's not quite right in the head, and he's always got a <laughs> stupid grin on his face. The mental. Whole, the mental case. Like, and they kind of... You know, they pointed out so Glenn Glenn Ford doesn't go too go to get too nasty with him because he's always got this idiot grin on his face. But it's Jamie Farr from Match. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, when he was younger, he was actually like, you know, a decent looking guy. 
Like, it's just hard to see him with him not wearing a dress. Oh, shit. Well, do you have another... I mean, you, you really... You stopped to talk about that one for a fair bit. Do you, do you, do you have <laughs> another was, one that you want to... That was your one. Well, I did watch... Because I, I did watch all these this week. Yeah. Again, like, I've seen I've t- seen Two Sula like, many times, but I watched that again. I really love the head... The, 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 the songs that in that film. Mm-hmm. And I do love, like, that Hyacinth Bouquet from Keeping Up Appearances is, <laughs> like, the hip headmaster kind of or other teacher at the school but i did watch the made for tv <laughs> sequel by yes. peter bogdanovich just yes. i would love to which i had if this is this would be the second time that i've attempted to watch it the first time because it, and it, he's, he's it's very much shot in a kind of a cinema verite it's a very weird film um style yeah and i watched the beginning of it and there is a lovely like lulu comes back and judy <laughs> geeson comes back from the original a reprisal they have, their, they have their little cameos and yeah uh lulu sings the song have you ever did you ever uh, sing a song to your teacher uh no, no <laughs> exactly i can't say never gave them a, a cup either never said thank you for like no teacher i ever had had that impact <laughs> and you never like for like a year Oh, like mate. you had like we didn't, and we didn't have one teacher that took us for everything anyway. Tusa with love, part two. So, <laughs> so part two is is actually set twenty years after the first one. Well, he's he's retiring, and he's he's retired from his from, and it is like because if you do kind of think back to the end of Tusa with love, he is he is an engineer by trade, but he he comes to the UK and he can't get a job as an yep. engineer, so he takes the job as a teacher just as a filler, and then at the end he gets a job as he's offered a job as an engineer and he has to decide, you yeah. know, will he or won't he stay a teacher? And you get the impression, I'm pretty sure that you, he's not, go, he's going to become an engineer. <laughs> uh, but of course, no, he stays mm-hmm. and he becomes a much loved teacher at this school and they all, and they've, the school has changed at the beginning of To Say With Love 2. <laughs> it is a totally snobby, <laughs> kind of upper class school and the first one is a very very working class yep and so then so he retires and then he gets offered a job with some like a teacher who taught at the school for a couple of years who's now at the principal of an inner city school yeah so it is it's 100 well, percent like dangerous minds i was gonna say tell me this didn't get made because of dangerous, dangerous minds. minds yeah it came a year later i think it's odd that it's peter bogdanovich did it yeah i mean it's not because peter bogdanovich it's the kind of movie that peter bogdanovich would have kind of idolized and he's a completely overrated filmmaker <laughs> That's, uh, no, he's uh, drivel. The, the shit that comes out of that guy's mouth and how fucking high he thinks of himself. Like, he's made some incredible films, but I just don't give him a lot of time because of just the way he talks. He is very... He's always... <laughs> yeah, he's, he's always had a pretty high opinion of himself. But he comes... He's one of the Brat Pack. They all... <laughs> they all had pretty high opinions of themselves. It's just he was a bit more obvious about it. Not as, not as bad as... Um, uh, what's his name? Um, French Connection guy. Oh, William Friedkin. William Friedkin. Yeah, totally. Like he definitely thinks more. Well, of I, I give, I cut him more slack simply because he made bonafide gems. Yeah. You know, I can't say the same for Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdanovich <laughs> has had a lot of misses. Like <laughs> the, the minute he stopped making movies with Polly Platt, he kind of went to shit. <laughs> but this is like I was surprised at how much I enjoyed to so with love too. But he goes to an inner city school where he has to deal with gang violence and stuff like that. But it's still grounded to a degree. In reality, like it's not a, yes. I mean, it is very much a, like, you know, Peter Bogdanovich's idea of what an inner city school is like. But I, I, I do have a lot of time for it. I just think it would be so much better had they thrown those cameos away and not reprised the song. 
it, it is a very odd it's tacky. bit, but it is very much. I don't forget this is a made for TV movie. Yeah, I know. It's not for, it's not a theatrical <laughs> and film. And it's almost to say you original viewers we haven't forgot you. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's just a, you know. So it, it, it's what's going to get in the mums and dads yeah. who are watching it going, "Oh, I love that." And That's then the kids are like, "This is not dangerous minds." Yeah. And then <laughs> and then when it gets into it, I mean the school is pretty hardcore. Like the kids are like one of the kids is pimping out one of the girls in his class. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of gang stuff and you know, guns and like they they do have guns and you know flick blades and stuff, much like they do it how they do in Blackboard Jungle. But mm. they do not have that in <laughs> the original to serve with love. Like, like the 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 rebel without a cause kind of kid into serve with love just like challenges him to a boxing match <laughs> and right. kind of punches him in the face a couple of times oh, shit. before well, he gets punched in the guts and then almost. <laughs> Almost dies from it. Before we um throw it over to Guillermo, one I want to quickly mention. We don't have to talk about it at length, but Mr. Holland's Opus that that sort of came and made a big impact, and then sort of now it's sort of forgotten. It's a forgotten film. I really love it. Although I have to say, there is there's certain aspects of Mr. Holland that I don't like. Like when he finally gets it, he's great. Yeah, but he's still like he's a, he's a bit of an asshole. Well, he's a, he's, a, he's arrogant and cocky. And he, but he's yeah, and he's an asshole to his wife. Yeah, he's an asshole to his son because he was unhappy in life. And and the thing yeah. is, a bit like um, to Sir with love, this is not the profession he really wanted at first. Yeah, and then he got stuck with it, and then grew to love the students and all that. I think it's a wonderful film, and I love the aging process they've put on Richard Dreyfus in it too. I just thought I didn't. Th- I thought they de-aged him, and it was just no, because he starts <laughs> like the... he starts in his mid forties, I guess yeah. that we're supposed to believe, and then ends sort of in his 60s, 70s. Yeah, maybe seventies. Um, I thought it was really effective because, you know, it was before well, de-aging processes. Well, yeah. Look, no, they certainly didn't go... Well, he was... Let's not forget that at the time, Richard Dreyfus would have been in that age where he could play anything from 40 <laughs> to 60 and no one would know. True. Like, um, all he needed was a bit of hair dye <laughs> to make him appear a lot younger. Or a toupee. Or a, yeah, and a toupee. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like, he doesn't... He doesn't... But they didn't overplay it. They mm. didn't... It's not Mr. Saturday Night where you see Billy Crystal and you're like, geez, they've really gone... <laughs> They've really worked hard, and David Paymer, they've really worked hard on that old man makeup here. It's like and an so, Eddie Murphy sketch. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that guy was, that guy was nominated for an Academy know, Award for the, for the aging. What amuses me the most, and I thought I thought this the first time I saw it when I would have been, what, 16, 17, maybe when it got released, is that the whole film is building up to Mr. Holland's opus. The actual yep. piece of music he's been writing for all these years, and the students dun, kind dun, of finished dun, off. Dun, dun, and the dun, thing dun, is, dun, dun, it's not that great a piece of music, right? I really liked it. But no, it's, it's good, but it's, like, it's, it's not an opus. Like, but he's a music teacher. If he was really great, he wouldn't have been stuck as a music teacher. No, but teacher. like also, like this is supposedly taking him 30 years to write, but you know that for the production of this film, the composers would have spent like maybe six months on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that special. Yeah, no, that's... it's If if you watch any Aaron Sorkin TV show <laughs> when they talk about comedy and you're like, it's somebody telling you something is funny does not make it funny. <laughs> and it's like Studio 60 is the worst for this because they are like a, a Saturday Night Live show. And they're like, uh, they, somebody will make a remark and you go, that's funny. And you're like, was it though? It's like MASH. Without the laugh track, I wouldn't have known there was a joke there. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here reporting from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website, covering all things movies and television. Here, as always, to tell you a little bit about what we've covered on the website in the past week. 
kicking off with a sequel to Dune officially being announced. In case you didn't know by now, Dune, which is still on its international release path, covers around half of Frank Herbert's 412-page book. If you know someone that may not know this, tell them. I've seen too many what kind of ending is that type of reactions online. So it's been understandable that there has been some concern that a follow-up would not occur. After all, releasing a film during a still ongoing pandemic with a US release simultaneously in cinemas and streaming service HBO Max does suggest that the film's box office results may not be up to scratch. Well, while Dune's numbers aren't spectacular, they're still decent enough for a pandemic release. At the time of recording this, Dune has passed $223 million worldwide from a budget of around $165 million. Take into account marketing and distribution spend and you're looking at around the $300 million mark to be around break-even point, which certainly looks doable now. With higher numbers likely in store for the sequel, it appears Legendary and Warner Brothers have some confidence. So you can mark the date. Dune Part 2 is officially lined up for US release on the 20th of October 2023. And the Renaissance is in full swing. Brendan Fraser has signed up to play the villain in upcoming DC movie Batgirl. Fraser will be playing DC supervillain Firefly, who first appeared in the comics back in 1952. The character was first depicted as a robber who used lighting effects on heists. He was later reimagined as a sociopathic pyromaniac with an obsessive compulsion to start fires. Batgirl will have in the heights actress Leslie Grace in the title role, aka Barbara Gordon, daughter of Commissioner James Gordon. J.K. Simmons will be back as Commissioner Gordon in the film, reprising the role he first played in Justice League. The film is going to be directed by Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah, who previously helmed franchise hit Bad Boys for Life. They'll be working from a screenplay by Birds of Prey, The Flash, and Bumblebee scribe Christina Hudson. Brendan Fraser is certainly enjoying a bit of a resurgence. The actor, perhaps still widely best known for the Mummy franchise, has a number of high-profile projects on the horizon. There's Darren Aronofsky film The Whale, which has him in the lead role. He's got a part to play in Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. And he's also going to be in Brothers from Palm Springs director Max Barbaco, also starring Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage and Glenn Close. Ryan Gosling will be playing Ken in a Barbie movie. Yes, he'll be playing Ken opposite Margot Robbie, who will be starring in Warner Brothers' film Barbie, a live-action take on the popular Mattel fashion dolls. The project has been in various stages of development for a number of years now, but it's finally moving forward with Greta Gerwig on board to direct. Gerwig previously directed Lady Bird and Little Women. Ryan Gosling had previously actually passed on the role of Ken due to a packed schedule, but as this project got an extended pre-production period and Warner Brothers' steadfast desire to give him the role never left, the part finally went his way when an opening appeared in his busy schedule. Having Gosling on board is another big step for this long gestating project, and word is that the film could finally be going into production in early 2022. And it appears that a John Wick spin-off film titled Ballerina, about a young female assassin who seeks revenge against the people who killed her family, would have its star. Knives Out and No Time to Die star Ana de Armas is in talks to take on the role. The film is going to be directed by Len Wiseman, whose credits include Underworld, Die Hard 4.0 aka Live Free or Die Hard, and the Colin Farrell Total Recall remake. And the screenplay will be coming from Shay Hatton, whose credits include Army of the Dead and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. That about does for me guys, thanks for having me once again. Be sure to go to ScreenRealm.com for all your latest movie and TV news, trailers, reviews, all that jazz. Catch you next week.
Tear to my eye a bit. It really does. Like, I have to say, both to serve with love and to serve with love too, there comes a bit about three <laughs> quarters to the last to the yep. last you know, fifteen minutes that you kind of you choke up a little. I agree. I did sing to my teacher once. Did you? Funky Cold Medina <laughs> didn't go down quite as well. <laughs> did not have the effect desired. <laughs> I always got Funky Cold Medina and Wild Thing mixed up. The yeah, two, the Tone Lock. Tone Life, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good days, good times. <laughs> How about that Guillermo guy? <laughs> He's pretty good. He's all right. <laughs> always keeping us up to date and shit. He's the young MC of this show. <laughs> His name's Guillermo. Remember he got a bit offended when I called him Spanish? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's Chilean. Like, uh, Just chilling I think in the he also corner. got a bit upset when we questioned whether he'd ever seen a movie made pre-1990. <laughs> he's our punching back. He's, he's, <laughs> he's just young. That was unwarranted. And we're jealous. Because <laughs> we are very, very not. So to make up for it, show him some love and go to screenrun.com and tell him we sent you. That'd be yeah. good. <laughs> Just randomly comment on articles. He doesn't listen to the saying, show. Uh, I'm sure. <laughs> saying, Ben and Glenn sent me. We have five listeners. I'm pretty sure he's not one of he's them. He's not one of them, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just your mum, my mum, and, <laughs> and my nan. And your nan, <laughs> Simon Harcourt, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And Jarrett. Jarrett listens. That's a sad state of affairs, man. Yeah. I want to just 
You want to stop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have loads of listeners. What am I talking about? Um, I want to I want to talk about uh, those sort of high school action movies for a moment. Um, Ooh. A little while ago, you talked about Toy Soldiers. That's obviously a really good one. That's a fantastic one. Both versions of Toy Soldiers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, never gets old. Holds up well every time, I think. Indeed. Um, it's Luke Gossett Jr. Luke Gossett Jr. in, in, in the... Uh, I can't think of the word, but in when he's the positive uh, authority figure. Yep. He's, gr- he's like incredibly watchable. Yep. Like I put him up there with any with anyone... In terms of that, like that, the, the teacher that um, could change your life, even though he half the time he's not even playing a teacher, he's just like the, a no nonsense authority figure. He's just great. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, like the principal, he's in that. That's a yeah. banger. I mean, that's basically a remake of Class of 1984. Essentially, it's very similar. It's such a weird, but it's a great movie. I was going to say it's more like it's like Wildcats. Yeah. Just without the football, but it is <laughs> it's violent as fuck. It is. It gets real fucking dark, and you don't really see it coming at the start, and especially because it's James Belushi, and he does play it as James Belushi. Yeah, at the start, and you and just think it's like a flicks like, a switch. Yeah, like it's like a Beverly Hills Cop. If you take out the part where Mikey gets killed at the start, it's you know it's yeah. much more kind of jokey, lighthearted, and then all of a sudden. They flick the switch and things do not go well for Ray Dawn Chong. <laughs> That's right. Uh, similar movie, The Substitute. That's really good. Yeah. Tom Berenger. And there were there were three sequels. Yes. Treat Williams. Treat Williams. Treat Williams took over the franchise. You know you've got a good franchise if Treat Williams takes it over from Tom Berenger. <laughs> Whereas I'm sure both of them realized it was a turning point in their career because <laughs> there would come a later date where it'd switch. Well, well they're both DTV <laughs> kings, aren't they? Well, they are now. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah. were. Kind of, I point, kind of think Berenger was then. Well, that's you see, that's the thing. Like <laughs> Berenger is a weird, he's a weird one because he, almost from the start, he was able to do what Bruce Willis is doing now and Eric Roberts yeah. did, is that he could go from made-for-TV Drek to a Hollywood film and... Maintain the credibility. And maintain the credibility, that's yeah. right. Whereas, and, and Trent Williams, you know... I mean, he worked for Jim Wynorski, so he's... Uh, <laughs> I kind of like those know. sequels, though. I think they're pretty good. I, they're great. Yeah. And, but, you know... But also, I think that the quality of DTV films was a lot better back then. But he was... Like, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure... Like, I haven't I haven't brought him up, but mm. I'm pretty sure that he was, like, the main villain in The Phantom while doing, also doing, <laughs> like, Substitute 2 and 3. Totally. And as much as I love Trent Williams, <laughs> there does... Even, even in the days of... Uh, was it King of New York City or whatever? King of... Is it King of New York? What's the one where he's the he's the cop? Yeah, that's the he's one with a, Christopher Walken. Yeah. No, no, no. That's yeah. That is King. That's King of New York. But there's another one. There's another one with Treat Williams where he is a vice cop mm. um, who quick re- to the Google machine realizes that um, Prince Prince of New York is it Prince Prince of the City <laughs> Prince of the City where he's he realizes that the the cops are more. Um, Let me give you some thinking music. Do, 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 I keep talking Prince of Treat Williams. Do, 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 do. Uh, Prince of the City from 1981. Yes. We got there. And he's in like Flashpoint, which is an amazing movie. But if you watch Flashpoint, do not watch the trailer. <laughs> do not read the back of the DVD cover or the VHS cover or whatever. 
just go into it blind and fucking enjoy. <laughs> but I think, I'm pretty sure that Treat Williams was, at the time he was doing substitute movies, he was also like the main villain in Phantom. Yeah, yeah Billy Zane yeah, and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, so he was still, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's another one? 187. Ah, the, that's, the mur- that's the murder number. That is, that's the one with um, Samuel L. Jackson and one of the thuggish students is Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, I love Clifton Collins Jr. <laughs> he's great. Like, he's one of my favourite actors who I can never really remember his name, like, if you uh, if you ask me about him, but I'm like, you know, it's Tack from the Stone Age. He's a bit like um, like John Leguizamo and, you know, what's the, um, Freddie Rodriguez, I think his name is. He was in the Six Feet Under TV show and uh, Can't Hardly Wait. He can kind of, play that Hispanic uh, thug, but then play like the, the handsome sort of, you know, suit and tie kind. Like these actors have that ability. He's a weird, like I, 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 my first, the first thing I remember him in is the Stoned Age <laughs> yeah. where he's like tack and he's blonde. I'm pretty, he's like blonde and got really bad acne and stuff in it. I think, I think but, my favorite thing of his is um the second Boondock Saints. Yeah, right. His, just because, <laughs> just his performance in it. He's, he's in, um, sorry, he's in Mule. Yes. And he's like the one of the main kind of drug dealer guys and he pulls it off really well. <laughs> like he's a, he is yeah. I've got a lot of time for it. I was him. trying to rack my brain of some others, you know, along these lines and one that came to mind in my head that I was going to talk about and then I realized I don't actually think it is a high school movie, but there's one called Crime and Punishment in Suburbia. Do you remember that? No. The front cover had them in like a school corridor with lockers. But then I'm like looking at the trailer and I'm like, this is not a school movie at all. What the hell? <laughs> but then that made me think of Dangerously Close, the Hello Albert Pune film, which is set in a high school, a bit like The Skulls. But do you, what about the ones where it's um, the, the 21 Jump Street ripoffs or 21 Jump Street was a ripoff of them where it's cops going undercover yeah. in schools, like Plain Clothes, which I think is great. Yep, totally. With Alice Howard. Although <laughs> I think at least in that one, he's banging a teacher. And so, and the teacher is. Um, What's her name? James Cameron's wife. Uh, from she's in Titanic, and she's this is post. I mm. think he. I think he. This is after Bigelow. I think he started up with her. Wasn't because wasn't Hamilton in between? It was Bigelow. There was Hamilton. Wasn't Bigelow then Hamilton and then Amy? Was it Amy? Round, round, get around. James gets around. <coughs> Boom. Um, yeah, but anyway, but she's the, she's a love interest, <laughs> and it's always dubious when the. <laughs> it, it, it's okay when it's the if the teacher is a woman yeah, and she's right. banging one of her male students. It doesn't seem to work so much the other way around. Well, I'm going to talk about a movie soon where there is some intimacy between teacher and student, and it don't matter because the, the teacher's a female. And I'm like, man, if this was oh. the other way around, it wouldn't go down. We'll, well get well, to because the other one is undercover. Yep. with the guy from Hoosiers. But the, what I love about that <laughs> the movie is on the the video camera. It's got the guy. And his his hairline is clearly receding, <laughs> and he's clearly in his thirties. Did he give you yeah, flashbacks? Like, no, he's still a no, he's still a sixteen year old high school kid. I mean, his hairline's receding. I think his hairline's pretty much heading that way in Hoosiers, <laughs> which I get the feeling. I feel like it was a lot a lot earlier, but it could have been quite mm. close um, uh, together. But um, now I need to find out who. What that woman's name is. Oh, that's all right. Can I, I think I, they're Susie Amos. Okay. Susie Amos. I think they're, they're still together. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't, you know, don't read enough people, <laughs> Us Weekly. Are they still... Uh... I'm traumatised by Woman's Weekly Sandwich Recipes. <laughs> 
Or can I mention a few horror ones? There's some horror movies. There's some great horror set, ones. You know, Prom Night, Carrie, The Faculty, um, Jennifer's Body, Urban Graduation Legend. Graduation Day. Cheerleaders Must Die, Night of the Creeps. Pieces. Student Body. I almost wore my Pieces t-shirt. <laughs> but instead you, you wore your Halloween special. Ernest uh, Scared Ernest. Stupid. <laughs> That you jizzed on earlier today. Well, back the truck up. <laughs> <laughs> mayonnaise fell out of my burger onto Ernest's face. It looked like it was yeah, mayonnaise mixed with tomato sauce. It did not look good. <laughs> it's like somebody went a bit too far. It's like a Dormio went a, a Dormio grin. And Ernest went. So <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about Carrie 2, The Rage? Yes. I actually think this is a completely underrated film. 100% agree. Well, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> really glad. Um, it's had, it had a really weird production too, this one. It was directed by Kat Shea, who had made Poison Ivy and Strip to Kill 1 and 2. And she was hired only like a week and a half before it went into production. Right. Like, that's how quickly she jumped on because Robert Mendel quit the film. Um, he He's the guy that made like Substitute. He made um, School Ties, FX, Big Shots. He had... Really good titles to his name. and But yet... <laughs> Carry two. <laughs> Creative differences. This is, like, um, yes, this is outrageous. I feel like this is a real slice of the 90s. And I saw this theatrically when these kind of movies actually went to the cinema. Um, Amy Irving, Amy Irving, I Because it was say. around the time of Cry Wolf and The Skulls and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, this kind of film was hot property yeah. at the time. But um, yeah, Amy Irving reprised the role as Sue Snell and apparently... Had to ring Brian De Palma up for his blessing. <laughs> and he just said, go for it. Like Everything I've read about Amy Irving... Is wanky? No, 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 no. Is like <laughs> just makes it sound like she's not the kind of person who would give two fucks. <laughs> well, I mean... De Palma well, I'm sure not. Brian pa- De Palma didn't give two fucks. Yeah, like, no. You want to do Carrie 2, fucking do it. Like, yeah. It's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> Am I getting paid? And right. apparently, you know, I don't know how true it is, but Sissy Spacek was apparently shown footage of this... And gave her blessing for her image to be used from the original in flashback right. form. Um, but they probably saw in it what we saw in it. Like, it's actually a pretty good well, they, movie. They, I mean, for me, it was the two things. <laughs> One, Zachary, is it Zachary Ty Bryan from uh, Home Improvement? <laughs> the ugly son. His, the, the ugly <laughs> older son, who ended up being shorter than the ugly youngest uh, son. <laughs> and then the middle son, who didn't grow at all. Uh but he gets his nards shot off with a spear gun. Yeah, I know. It's great. Which is great. And then once again, like, it's best stuff is happening with spear guns in this film. But then Amy Irving, I don't want to spoil anything, <laughs> but she has a run-in with the spear gun as well. And it is an amazing scene. And I've always liked Emily Burgle. Hmm. I always thought it was a shame that she didn't get to do more after the after this. Because, I, re- yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I was surprised at how full-on it was. Like, I mean... Carrie is full on, but you kind of forget. Well, I was going to ask you, how does this stack up as a sequel to you? Or do you think it's a, a good continuation or do you feel like it's a standalone film they've just tacked on cheaply? Yeah, look, I, I, I think you could totally watch it without having seen or know anything about Carrie. But as a sequel, do you think it works? Yes and no. Like it's... Yeah. Like a, like a, because I think it is pretty independent. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not like, like Halloween 2 is the, the next day. Yeah. This is just a... This is like Firestarter 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's like, you know, oh, she's got uh, tele- telekinetic powers. Like, that's about it. And she's bullied. Yeah. There is the connection. You know. Sue Snell. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what they brought in to tie it all together. 
and the and the title. Yeah, because remember she comes in, and she goes like, "This reminds me of when I was at school," and she tells yeah. her story, and there's the flashbacks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Look, I wanted to mention it because I just don't think enough people talk about Carrie too. The rage. The rage. Yes, because um, that's what it wasn't. It? Rage was bigger on the title. Well, the thing is, there was a Stephen King novel called The Rage, which he took out of circulation. He self-imposed that rule because there was a school shooting that they found that book in the locker of the shooter. He didn't want to become the new J.D. Salinger. Well, he um, he that frightened the shit out of him that his words would lead to a school shooting, which yep. it did directly. That, that was proven. Um, but The Rage was the companion book to Carrie. They were like a companion. Right. And it was essentially a male version of Carrie without the telekinesis. Instead, he had a gun. So, you know, he just went and shot up his school because he was sick of the teachers bullying him and all that kind of stuff. It's yep. a great book. It's in the, um, the Backman books if you are able to find an original print because they removed it from that as well, eventually. Right. Uh, anyway, that's why Carrie the Rage, they kind of wanted to Stephen King it a little bit. Anyway, it's time to throw to the boneheads. Um, is there any other titles you want to stop on before we do? Uh, well, we, I, I did mention Wildcats. Yeah, yeah, earlier. true. That is the <laughs> one of the greatest high school movies of all time. With <laughs> I think that's the first movie to pair... Um, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's great. And it's got that guy, what's his name? The big fat guy who's, who would later appear in Police Academy movies and stuff like that. And he's always... <laughs> and it's not Louis Anderson. No, and he's in. He's even in... Um, is, no, it Mar- no, is it Donovan? Um, Donovan Scott? So I don't know. All right. I'll give you some that's thinking a, music. But what I like is he's also the... He's the kind of... The... Hustler character who's always <laughs> it will only do stuff if he gets paid and tries to make you know make money left right and center. Quick, beat the listeners. Do, do, Tab do, do. Thacker. Oh, that's not Donald Scott. He's in City Heat as well. He's great. <laughs> I was way off. Um, he's in the yeah, Police Academy four, five. Funnily enough, on IMDb, the four movies that they have <laughs> that you know most people. see is Police Academy four, five, Wildcats, and City Heat. Mm. Oh, that's all he did. He only did. <laughs> And then he did IQ, and that's it. No, sorry, Identity Crisis, where he plays a character called IQ. But City Heat was his first film. I can't believe that City Heat was before Wildcats. He's uh, he's playing the bouncer. Wait. He's the nightclub bouncer in. Uh, we City are nerd all over this desk. Uh, I, I really hope people listening are taking a lot from this. I would love to be a listener to this show as opposed to like a host because, you know. I, Get excited about these rediscoveries and movies that we're just dragging up from nowhere. I just think people listen to this going, this is all over the place like a crazy man's shit. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> but the movie lovers are on top of it, mate. Yeah. Um, all right. So it's time for our resident Americans who, on account of being American, must have gone to John Hughes High School. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're going to talk about movies that deal with skew. If you're in Eastern Kentucky, skew. We all went to skew or school. Ben, school. Skill days, school days. S H O O L. School. Think Ben's getting so, angry yet? Yeah, and it's pro- and it's pronounced Sachul. So let's get let's talk about Sachul films. Well, what are some of your all favorite Sachul films? So one of mine, and I loved it as a kid, it's directed by John G. Alvinson, who gave us Rocky and the Karate Kid. It's Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman. It's not based on a true story, but it's set up to seem like it is. Is this African-American teacher 
who is very dedicated, is thrown out of a school, a high school, and he goes off to have another career. And then they bring him back. It's East Side High later on in the 80s to clean it up because crack has taken over the school and drugs and he's got to clean it up and he starts uh, making what? Joe it lean on me is based on a true story <laughs> lean on me is based on a true story for some reason <laughs> thought it was it I really didn't oh well <laughs> you've confused lean on me with the substitute common mistake it's not see, see what it is is he has to teach these kids and Edward James almost <laughs> has to reach out to them I don't and know. get them to understand math. And I just don't understand math, Edward James, almost. I don't care how bad that your, your, your hair is going away and it's not really in real life. Anyway, Morgan Freeman is east side high, Chad. At least I got that part right. right? Yeah. And he has to clean them up. So he throws out like 20 or 30% of the students who are, who are just shit. And then he locks the doors because drug dealers are getting in. And he makes all these decisions and none of it goes over well. I'd like to actually read the true story then because I don't believe any of it went down that way. All right, I'm going to go with the finest teaming of two great actors. I refer to, of course, Bradley Whitford and Patrick Stewart in the Tour de Force Masterminds. Never you in a million it. years. You, you lost it, Chad. Masterminds. If you've never seen Masterminds, somebody went, okay, okay, here's the pitch. Die hard. But it's in a school, a private school with wealthy children and the children of wealthy people, and they take it over. But also there's a secret plan that they're also going to rob something else that the, the school can get them into. Patrick Stewart plays the evil villain. Is this based villain. on a true story like Lee no, Dog no. where he taught <laughs> these kids where Edward James almost <laughs> taught these kids? Um, <laughs> By the way, I am not making fun of Edward James almost. I am quoting Cartman from South Park. Please. But anyway, yeah. So Masterminds is basically die hard set in a private school. Uh, but here's the twist. The John McClane character is a kid. His, his little sister's still in the school, but he was a troublemaker and gets kicked out. Patrick Stewart plays the evil head of security who's installing the security system, who, of course, turns out to be the villain. My favorite scene in it is after he has been bested by this kid a couple different times, the kid turns on the sprinkler system, destroys his computer system. He can't take over the school that way anymore, so he has to escalate things. Patrick Stewart literally pulls out an umbrella as the sprinkler system goes off, and he has my favorite non-Star Trek Patrick Stewart line in a bad movie, which is... I'm a patient man, but I'm really afraid I'm going to have to kill someone. And it's Patrick Stewart, so it works. It's not a great movie, but if you've ever said Die Hard needs to be set in a school, you're too late. Check out Masterminds. I immediately came up with what I thought was the definitive school movie. I was proud of myself. I couldn't wait to talk about it, but I completely forgot it. So I'm going to talk about National Lampoon's senior trip. <laughs> Why can't we ride National Lampoon's beach school? <laughs> I want to write beach school. We've got to get them off our beaches. I could not come up with the movie that I came up with. I beat myself up. So this is the only one I could come up with. Uh, it's from 1995. It's a, uh, it stars Matt Brewer. And, and honestly, one of the best performances of Kevin McDonald. Highly recommend him, at least his performance in it. It's not a great film. Joe loathes it. I don't. Uh, but, I think Matt Furr is funny in it. I was like, Matt uh, Furr, you and Matt Kevin Furr. McDonald has that great line in it, steady as she goes, as the minivan's going over the thing, right? Tommy Chong, uh, again, Tommy Chong's in it as well. It is, I enjoyed it as a teenager. And it's all, and basically, it's about a senator who's trying to do something schemey. And to get his evil plan, he invites a bunch of dumb students from Ohio to talk about, edu uh, uh, to talk about educational failure. 
And it also stars a young Jeremy Renner, now known as Hawkeye. Also, yeah, that board movie that didn't have Matt Damon in. This that has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. <laughs> the music's kind of Seinfeld, isn't it? um thank you boneheads uh i can't do this episode without giving some kind of nod to the primary school movies um elementary school for the uh the the foreign exchange students kindergarten (laughs) that's it um well there's max keeble's big move i really like that one that's a disney one diary of a wimpy kid the first one is fantastic the sequels are pretty good but that first one's a banger um Kindergarten Cop is the greatest. Kindergarten Cop 2. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, Recess, School's Out. I really like the movie of that. Damn straight. Um, we've spoken about this off the microphone. Uh, School of Rock. School of Rock. Mike White. That is a Stone Cold classic. <laughs> that can come on television at any point in time, and I will stop and watch it. Always happy to watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hammer of the gods. The one I wanted to stop on for a moment is one called Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life from 2016, which I had no expectations of this, but when I watched it... I've never even heard of it. It is grouse. It's from it's cut from the same cloth as Diary of a Wimpy Kid, but it's just got a little bit more sincerity and authenticity to it. It features um, Lauren Graham from the Gilmore Girls. Love Lauren Graham. Uh, Rob Riggle's in it, and Alan Daly from Eastbound and Down. He plays the headmaster or the principal, and it is... Hilarious, and it's about a kid that pretty much goes about breaking every single school policy that there is, and like intentionally, because right. this new sort of principal comes along and lays down all these harsh new rules for you know the entire student body, and this kid's like a rebel. He's like, no, fuck you, and he breaks them all you know, systematically. But it's very funny. Kind of feels like a John Hughes esque kind of thing. Um, interestingly, though, this is based on James Patterson novel of all people. Doesn't he write about pedophiles and yes cops? Well, he's also pedophiles and the cops that hunt them. He's also notoriously like the author that puts his name on books that other people write. He's he's a factory now. Like, yeah, he doesn't write many of his novels. It's like a look artists. I know artists. A lot of artists do that. But it's not even James Patterson presents. It's James Patterson, and he's got ghostwriters galore. Yeah, right. It's a factory. But um, it's not like was it? uh, Who's the other one? Um, uh, Tom Clancy's Op Center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's just. It's. It's deceptive. The title is actually Tom Clancy's Op Center. Like, right. He came up with the idea. Written by someone else. But it's written by someone else. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know what the case is with um, middle school. But anyway, that's the basic premise. Um, there is a huge component to the story that can't possibly be talked about for spoilers. But I definitely think it's fulfilling when you watch it and you discover these things for yourself. It's, yeah. It actually really makes me think of movies like The Pacifier. Oh, no. And... Uh, <laughs> What's the other one? The pacifier is the Vin Diesel one, where he's the nanny, yep. the, ma- the manny. Yep. And what's the... There's another one that came out roughly the same time. What, Tooth Fairy? No. Um, and I, can't, is, I, think, I think pacifier is the one with Brad Garrett, is the, the, so. the school teacher kind of bully. But there's another one. It's, it's almost exactly the same. Yep. Like it, it, it's like Hollywood um, doing its carbon copy. Yeah, it's yeah. Deep Impact and Armageddon coming out within the six The Mockbusters. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I wanted to mention middle school because we'll whack that on our letterbox, and people can you know have a look for themselves. They might recognise the cover. It's very Nickelodeon in its cover. You know the way yep. it looks. Um, so anyway, have you got another one you want to talk about? Uh, or do you want to save that for the next block? Because I'm going to be talking about some screwball ones coming up. 
I can say, okay, I do just I do will do a quick shout out to Easy A, okay. which which I yeah. I like adore. Well, that will kind of fit into the next block. But let's talk it about will it as well. Uh, well, we can we can move on. Um, before I do, have you heard one called uh, Conrack with John Voight? I had never no. heard of this film, and as I'm looking through films to talk about, 1974, this popped up, directed by Martin Ritt, who did Nuts and Stanley and Iris and Norma Ray. So there's this director that I know all about, never heard of this film. And he plays a white teacher who moves to a school in an underprivileged black area on an island off South Carolina. And it's very formulaic by the looks of it. And I just thought, maybe you've heard of it and you can talk about it, but you haven't, and so you won't. So I won't, no. It does, <laughs> yeah. There is a period of John Foyt that is... All these movies are great. This is 1974. That's that period. Say, that's that period. And because there is a, a later, the 80s were not kind to John Voight <laughs> and his movie selections. But uh, do you remember Debs? Yeah, 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 totally. Lesbian, lesbian <laughs> schoolgirl assassins. There's, you know, not enough of those movies being made. Uh, well, I was going to say, let's let Chloe recommend something and lead us into those comedies. We kind of already, we kind of like, you know, let her yes, into the comedies and she's going to. She's going to be talking about Debs? <laughs> well, let's wait and see. Good morning and happy Monday, friends. I'm Chloe from Movie Night with the Richie Girls and I'll be taking you on your tour of South Harmon Institute of Technology today and providing you with an opinionated lecture about the movie Accepted. So welcome, fellow shitheads. I'd like to start off this morning by telling you just how much I hate the name Bartleby for a main character in what is supposed to be a popular young adult movie. It may be different than your you know, average early 2000s screwball movie, but that is no excuse. They could have picked Tom or Josh or Michael and that would have bloody sufficed. You know, it didn't suit the movie and it didn't suit the character. That's the one thing that's bothered me the most. I mean, Bartleby? What is that? I also don't understand what Blake Lively character was doing in this movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I've got nothing against her. Honestly, it props to the woman who gets to see Ryan Reynolds naked every day. But to me, it would have made more sense if Maria's character, Rory, you know, the gorgeous, fiery redhead, would have been the love interest. Just seems like they stuck Blake in there to fulfill the typical blonde love interest role, which is so boring and so 2006. But apart from that, I can't find much to fault about the film. Honestly, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's got Justin Long in the lead role. And I'm not just saying that because Justin is my number one all-time favourite of all time ever. And although he is the reason I watched this movie in the first place. Okay, okay, okay. I'll stop gushing now. But, you know, you have your typical formula, but then you throw in a tirade of outstanding actors and quirky, chaotic monologues from Lewis Black. And holy shit, do we have a movie that will make you laugh every time. This movie also lets you experience Jonah Hill and the beginning of his genius. Here he is, pre-Superbad fame, and we get the privilege of seeing Hill creating comedy, improvising, and proving to the audience exactly why he is where he is these days. I am a super huge supporter of Hill's work and of his personal integrity in real life, and going back and re-watching Accepted and appreciating his and Justin's comedic chemistry is like walking into a lolly shop knowing I have unlimited cash to spend. It's thrilling and hilarious. But the best thing about this movie is that even though the plot is completely unrealistic in every possible way, it's like a bunch of beautiful losers that can just start a university as easily and inconspicuously as they did is just about as likely as me quitting coffee. But you know, it's the message that they're sending. When I was 18, I had no fucking idea what I wanted to do with my life. I know I didn't want to go to uni and rack up a whole bunch of student debt to learn something I didn't give two shits about. And that's what this movie does. It highlights the pressure put on graduating teens to have it all figured out. 
who the hell knows what they want to do for their entire life at that age? Ridiculous. So in conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know that I love screwball comedies. I love to laugh. I still don't know what I want to study at university, but most of all, and most importantly of all, I want to marry Justin Long. Now that's my embarrassingly forward opinion and I'm sticking to it. Happy Monday, fellow shitheads. Accepted. What a banger. I had forgotten all about that until Chloe put her hand up to cover it. I feel like it is a, it's, it's like almost like a remake of Rock and Roll High because of the, <laughs> the Ramon stuff going yeah, through. Totally. Well, I always kind of thought of it as like, um, like an evolution of Freaks and Geeks in a way. Like, yeah, probably a bit more slapsticky, I guess. But it's, um, I, no, I think it's the precursor to um, <laughs> Community. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's got such a gigantic cast too. I watch anything with Lewis Black. Yeah. I mean, he's not in enough movies as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> anyway, that was a great choice from Chloe. She does have her own podcast, Movie Night with the Richie Girls. And you can also see her every Wednesday night alongside myself at 10.30 on Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. All right. And that leads us to comedies, Ben. Where the fuck do we start? So many. Well, I did mention Easy A earlier on. Okay, we'll start there. And that is a <laughs> reimagining of The Scarlet Letter. Yes. But it does feature one of your favorite actors and one of my favorite actors, Thomas Hayden Church, <laughs> as one of as the as the cool teacher. The guy from Sideways. The guy <laughs> The guy from Dead and Stacy. <laughs> you know very well. It's funny how a lot of these high school movies are um, adaptations of classic literature, you know, because Clueless was and... um, And Taming of the Shrew is 10 Things I Hate About You. and Yeah, because that's that's what you do. Like, you're like, where do we get an idea that we don't have to pay anyone any money for? (laughs) Ah, classic literature. Some to reel off the tongue. Uh, Night School with Kevin Hart. I really enjoyed that one. I think that's the movie that turned Jarrett onto Jarrett. uh, Onto Jarrett. Onto Jarrett Hart. Onto (laughs) Kevin Hart. Before that, he hated himself. (laughs) (laughs) The Duff. I really like The Duff. The Duff is great. Yep. Uh, you've got your American Pies, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, and there's a prequel to that as well. Yes, there is. It's oh. like Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber, the original <laughs> and prequel that people, they... they Just as awful. Video. Yeah. <laughs> people like to pretend that doesn't exist. Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which had a quasi-sequel, which was called The Wildlife. Well, is it, yeah, I don't, is, I don't know how related The Wildlife is to Fast Times. It's not. It's like a spiritual sequel, so... Yeah, right. Cameron Crowe wrote the two as like companion films. Right. Um, Rock and Roll High School, you've mentioned that. Rock and Roll High School Forever. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> is great. Demolition High, also in that same trilogy. Not really. No. Uh, but I do, like, I did watch, I watched Rock and Roll High School again. Mm. I haven't seen that in, in years. Little Clint Howard. Like young Clint Howard, <laughs> who is totally awesome in it. But, uh, you know, every, everyone is great. Mm-hmm. Paul Bartel is cool. When is he not? He's he's always awesome, but he's especially cool in Rock and Roll High School. The Ramones are great, although, I mean, look, I guess I'm not the target demographic for the Ramones <laughs> in terms of their appearance, <laughs> but I just like what a collection of what a collection of busted heads. <laughs> uh, I do like how they make out like they're brothers. They're all brothers. I know because they've got the same haircut. Yeah. Um, another one, Jawbreaker, Napoleon Dynamite, some bangers. Yeah, Jawbreaker. There, I actually spoke to the guy who wrote that, and he turned just before he turned it into a musical. Oh, right. I was like, what a great idea. Yeah, Jawbreaker, yeah. yeah. Jawbreaker was great. Isn't the Marilyn Manson? Yeah, he sure is. Is he in the musical? Uh, no, I think by that stage he'd already um, uh, damaged Rose McGowan. <laughs> 
is the uh, I don't know if that's the word she uses for it. But uh... <laughs> are there any are there any screwball sort of high school movies that take your fancy? Before I stop to focus on my next one. Well, look for me the the one that kind of sets the mold <laughs> as far as I'm concerned really is private school or it was <laughs> private school here, uh, private school for girls in the US from 1983, which is once again, it's another Phoebe Cates movie, mm-hmm. whereas funnily enough, she is not as, she is not as, uh, so we say open with her <laughs> body yeah. uh, in private school as she is in Fast Times at Richmond High mm-hmm. or uh, Paradise, which is a high school, it's a school of a different kind. <laughs> it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's just two children learning about each other in uh, Blue Lagoon. I can't remember it. Not Blue Lagoon, in uh, Paradise. Well, they are learning about each other in Blue Lagoon. I can't it's their brother and sister in one of those. In, in either Blue Lagoon or in... Oh, it's very ambiguous in Blue the, Lagoon, uh, that's for sure. I don't know if they're actually related. No, they're, they're, they're brother and sister in the sequel. Right. Well, yeah, because... The one with India, with India Evans from Home and Away. No, that's the third one. No, yeah, we're talking. Uh, we're talking about the Mila Jovovich one and uh, yeah, that's right. Brian Krause. Yeah, right. Yeah, the kids Brian of the originals who died, and yeah. oh, we must reproduce. Oh. Save the human race. Mm, but it is uh, Mila Jovovich, so can't school, blame him. Yeah, private school is great. It, it is. I feel like it is the mold from which all other teen sex comedy school movies, mm-hmm. like maybe Porky's, probably predates it. Oh, there's one Porky's. Oh, we didn't think about Porky's. Yeah. When did Porky's come out? Was that in the seventies? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so Porky's is, is is then well before private school. Uh, oh, maybe it's eighty, but anyway, private school is eighty three. So it's yeah. it's definitely not. I guess it's not. I just like to think of it that way because it is <laughs> such an awesome film, and it has an, a miraculous soundtrack that is absolutely amazing. And I think we're going to end with one of the songs later in the show. I think you're right. Yes, I hope so. Yeah. Excellent. Um, but yeah, Phoebe Cates, and uh, yeah, I can't remember her name. Catherine uh, Willoit. Is that how you say it? Here's some thinky music. She's in that. She's in that great. Uh, she's in. Uh, is it ten to ten to midnight? The Charles Bronson. Oh yes. Movie and she's in. Um, she's in Roadhouse. I don't know who you're talking about. Uh, you don't. Oh, you will if I show you. I'll show you a picture of her, and you'll go. Oh, I can Her, of course. She is. Uh, since when does Roadhouse? Since when is Roadhouse <laughs> two words? Tap 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 of those keys. This is a this dun, is a, dun, dun. a visual medium that we're fucking up in a big way because we're a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work on the videos either, Glenn. Uh, where is she? Where is she? <laughs> Kathleen Willoit. Mm. She's just her chosen well. All right, uh, Ben her, is her picture about on IMDb. to show me a photograph. I'll show you a picture of it. Have to narrate this shit, dude. Come on, click. <laughs> That's her from private school. Yeah, I totally know her. I do, <laughs> but not with that haircut. No, oh, well, she always has a she always has the kind of a short the short haircut, but she's in a ton of stuff, including I think she's uh, she's um, Luke's nephew's mum, Luke's <laughs> sister from in Gilmore Girls. But she's in a bunch of stuff. Congratulations for a second Gilmore Girl reference. Yeah, I like to I like to pull those out uh, from time to time, <laughs> just to show that I I can. <laughs> uh, she's in Undercover as well. Uh, <laughs> Murphy's Law is the one that is the Charles Bronson movie, which and she's excellent in it. I mean, I don't think I don't think she goes for five minutes in the film without swearing, <laughs> but it is great. Uh, 
Because isn't Murphy's Law is the one where he finds out his wife is uh, is like the other cop gives him shit. So he's like, so I saw your wife down at the strip club the other day and you think he's just giving her shit and then the next scene is Charles Bronson at the strip club trying to talk his wife out of being a stripper. What I love so good. What I love about this is people are getting a real glimpse into what a regular conversation is like yeah. between us. We could be just, eating dinner and this is how it goes. It's just such a weird digression. But Sylvia Christelle <laughs> pops up in this. Yeah. In private school. But oh, the, private school, that's right. The standout, absolute standout. I mean, the, the, the fat comedy relief guy is always, is always good. Yeah. The absolute standout is, uh, is Betsy Russell, mm-hmm. star of Avenging Angel and Tomboy and a host of other th- bloody pom-poms or... Is that, what's the other name for bloody pom-poms? Cheerleader... No idea. Cheerleader Camp? Is that what it is? Pretty sure bloody pom poms the other time is yeah cheerleader camp from nineteen eighty eight, which is a great, <laughs> which is another great one. Except the thing that's uh, the thing that's incredibly outrageous about cheerleader camp is that Betsy Russell is playing the ugly one who's like, only fit to be the mascot because she's not good looking enough to be the cheerleader, one of the cheerleaders. That being said, the other cheerleaders are uh, <laughs> like Lucinda Dickey, the solid gold dancer from Breakin. And Rebecca Ferrati and um, Terry Weigel, who would go on to become a porn star. Uh, so, like, maybe in comparison, but still pretty oh. bloody outrageous. You know, if Jarrett will be listening to this and he will be getting a real <laughs> kick out of it because he knows precisely how this is all going down. Because if he was here, it'd be exactly the same <laughs> digression. No, he'd be like, he'd be sitting there going, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why can't you remember? <laughs> like, these are seminal movies with seminal actresses. Who are all okay. great, but uh, now, you know, what's his name? My favorite Martian is in it. He's like the horny limo driver who bangs the school principal. Like it's, it's just private school is such a great movie, and I I cannot urge listeners enough that if they haven't seen it, there is a Blu-ray available from overseas. I'm sure it's it's been around. It's been released on DVD locally. Mm-hmm. You can grab it off eBay. I don't think it's on any online platform because streaming platforms don't have anything awesome like this on them. <laughs> But definitely check out, do yourself a Molly Meldrum and check out Private School. Well, this one you can find on YouTube and pay for it for a small fee. 1987, three o'clock high. Oh my goodness. I hadn't seen this one since I was like, you know, maybe 12. That's the worst segue you've ever done on this show. Is it? Is it? (laughs) Pretty sure. (laughs) It's like, it's... We're running out of time here. It's like you cut it, but you didn't actually do a cut. (laughs) Shut the fuck up and let me talk. <laughs> Starring Casey Sosmico, or Sosmasco. How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, that's a good one. That uh, one. Him or his sister, Nina. <laughs> Nina and Casey, I, I can't pronounce. I always know him from the guy from Young Guns. Um, <laughs> Mexican! <laughs> I don't buy him with facial hair, though. Richard Tyson, Jeffrey Tambor, Philip Baker Hall, um, Annie Ryan, John P. Ryan from Class of 1999. Um, and Mitch Pileggi, this is a huge cast. But what shocked me about this is I'm a Spielberg fan and I didn't know he produced this. And that shocked me. And when I watched it, it just made me like it even more. Right. Um, but it's about a meek and mild-mannered sort of guy who crosses the school bully and he's forced into a fight at the end of the day, hence 3 o'clock high. And just, he, just, yeah. just, just for listeners who haven't seen this film, he is like a genuine high school student. Yeah. And then it's Richard, like full adult Richard Tyson, you know, who's just been banging Cheryl and Fenn for two two hours in Two Moon Junction, 
and working as a roustabout <laughs> on a travelling sideshow has come yes. to school. <laughs> yes. Um, but he comes to school and he's the most feared guy in school. He's that new kid that they all say has killed somebody. You know, that yeah. rumour goes around. But the, the Heath Ledger character from uh, yeah. 10 Things I Had About You is 100% yes. a rip-off There's of the Richard one. Tyson character. Yes. And um, so this, this... Buddy Ravel. Yeah, that's right. So this kid is sort of spending his entire day trying to worm his way out of this fight, trying to pay people to talk him out of it and to maybe bully him back. And But the thing is, this bully is like the biggest piece of shit in, in cinema I can think of. Yeah. Like, I mean, he challenges this poor little kid to a fight. And I mean a real fight simply because he touched him. Yeah. Like, and that's his thing. He's like, you don't touch me or else you die. But there's no redeeming features to this fucking bully. And they go throughout the... Throughout the film, as it gets towards the end, you're supposed to think, oh, he has like a, a bad upbringing and, you know, he's got these other personal things, but they never explore it. They no. never actually tell you what they were or if they actually were. They just sort of speculate that maybe that's what's happened. But he's, he's actually a piece of shit. Like, he's just you know, a piece, yeah, he's, he's just a piece of shit. Yeah, cause he, and he does try and my bodyguard it yeah. through the film, which is a great little kind of reference. And um, But the fact that Spielberg produced this, and what I liked about it is that Spielberg is the one that spearheaded the production and that includes bringing uh, Phil Jono into the um, into the mix as the director, who you know was one of the biggest music video directors of his time. He did a lot of U two stuff, and um, we talked about Entropy. Entropy, yeah, the he's other the week. He's the Entropy guy. Um, which, if you know his work, like you know his cinema, cinema sort of what do you call it, filmography. Yeah, this film doesn't fit. It's, this film was, does not fit. That was that was. Just like a movie, like like you had a stutter in a movie. His, <laughs> his cinema, his cinema, his, his filmography. <laughs> oh man, the Shamozzle podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Jesus Christ. But yeah, but look, I, I actually, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Three O'Clock High, and I don't know visually how similar it would be. Like Entropy is very, very, very much a late nineties music video. Yeah kind of movie whereas from my memory of this is very much an 80s high school movie it is it's like all the others like yeah. you know it really is it's a slice of its time but um yeah i don't know I, I i liked it more knowing the spielberg factor i didn't know that jono had directed it so re- yeah, revisit no him with you know all this knowledge and then i forgot that jeffrey tamper and philip baker hall and because it's it's john p ryan is the teacher that he that he beat like john p ryan comes yes. john p ryan who comes out to stop the fight or yeah. Not stop the fight, but just... He's kind yeah. of a bit sadistic in, in the way he yeah. sort of treats it. He's like, let them fight type of thing. Yeah. But doesn't he? He gets punched in the gut or whatever. Oh, big time. Like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he was the the evil robot teacher from class of 1999, which made me yeah. like it even more having just watched that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, the laughs just keep coming, Ben. So let's hope Adam doesn't kill the mood. King of the segways. <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, it's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen and Triple M with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. This week we are doing school movies and the school movie that I have decided to give an A plus to is Booksmart. Now Booksmart came out in 2019 and I have watched this thing probably about six times since its release. I like it that much. There is a thing in current online discourse about film where people go, oh, this is just the female version of a certain movie. You take something male-centric, you invert the gender, and then, you know, you got this version. And it's used in a kind of derogatory sense. And so when Booksmart was coming out, people go, oh, isn't this just like the female super bad? 
Here's the rub, Booksmart is better than Superbad. Now, when I was growing up, movies like Superbad and the whole Apatow kind of universe, they were pretty revolutionary. I mean, I would get along with my friends and I was really jazzed up to see these movies that starred people that weren't movie stars, that were really funny, that were great at improvising and the gags really worked. But what director Olivia Wilde is doing here is above that. You know, I mean, this isn't some kind of shaggy movie. This movie is so incredibly slick and cinematically functional and has such incredible performances. There's so many plates that are being balanced by her in this role that I was like, Olivia should have got a nomination for Best Director. I'm not kidding. I think that the movie is that successful. Uh, this introduced me to Caitlin Dever and, and Beanie Feldstein. And to me, these both of these girls are just absolutely iconic in their roles. Uh, you know, as two girls who are book smart and are trying to infiltrate a high school party. but. Every gag here for me almost, well, it all lands. I mean, I just, this is a movie that is, you know, I mean, to use the, the language of a vibe. I just, you know, I went along with this. I had no resistance. It it kind of shook me at just how much I liked, I liked Booksmart. I couldn't stop telling everyone about it. It was unequivocally my best comedy of the year. And I think too as well, look, I don't know how this is kind of going to age because it's so of the moment, you know, and our online discourse and the language that we use at the moment is so particular. But, you know, Olivia Wilde has captured this moment so, so well. And, you know, that I, I think that this is an iconic movie. And I think that if you have had any resistance to seeing Book Spart, and look, everyone's kind of susceptible to online, you know, behavior. If the reason you haven't checked it out is because you think that it's just the girl version of Superbad, smack yourself in the face and go and check out Booksmart because it's actually, honest to God, probably twice as good as Superbad. And I hope that it endures the same way that that movie did. So yeah, Books, Booksmart, an A plus from Adam Ross. You weren't a fan of Booksmart, were you? It's not that I wasn't a fan. I didn't mind Booksmart. I just wasn't. Someone wasn't... I know didn't like it. I thought it was you. No, I was, I just, I was, I'm look, I'm very, I guess, blasé about it. Yeah. Okay. Like I was like, that was all right. But I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me to think about it for this episode. Mm. I know I really like the girl in it. The, um, well, there's two girls, <laughs> but the, um, the the Johnny Hill sister? No, the other one. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she's in Justified. She's amazing in Justified, yeah. and she's popped up in a couple of other things here and there. And I think she's really she's a really talented actress. Well, it was the first film that came to Adam's mind when we pitched this uh, theme to him. So thank you to Adam. And if you're wondering where you can hear or see more of him, just hunt him down on Facebook. His page is called Adam's Just Seen. Um, and as usual, Adam practically closes the show. We've we've come to the end, Ben. Um, here's some more school movies for your consideration. Um, and I'm not saying this just so that it makes your job on Letterboxd that much harder. Um, although there's a little bit of pleasure that's derived from that. But do you remember Light It Up from 1999 with uh, Usher and Sarah Gilbert and Rosario Dawson and Vanessa Williams and Forrest Whitaker? Yes. That was directed yes. um, by the writer of Black Rain. Yeah, right. That's a weird one, isn't it's it? A, I mean... I, not a, not a direct parallel between those two, <laughs> but it's, it reminds me of Higher Learning mm. and School Days. Higher Learning's a doozy. Isn't it, though? Oh, love it. What about <laughs> Wes Craven's Music of the Heart? Classic. That's an odd one. That's the, isn't, was it? Meryl Streep. Was, but wasn't, didn't he, like, say yes to Scream? 
Or, oh like, no! Around this time was cursed. I think he was, was doing it cursed? back he said, to back. Like I do this if you let me do this, because otherwise no one was ever going to let him direct it. Yeah, be I, like uh, music of the heart. I, that was his. Might have been cursed. There's a movie called If from 1968 with Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, yeah, isn't that a, isn't that a schoolyard shooting movie? Yeah, he gets up <laughs> on the bell tower and is he reading Catcher in the Rye and that kind of thing? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Picnic at Hanging Rock. I don't know. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say. <laughs> Like, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Catcher in the Rye, although I have to say, I don't understand why that would make you want to kill other people. It makes me want to kill myself. Because <laughs> you can't, you like, there's that point, you just get so depressed, and you're like, childhood's end. Speaking of killing other people, like, how's this for a segue, motherfucker? <laughs> what about Heathers? Yeah, what a great... Segue. What a great, what a great uh, segue. <laughs> I'm shocked. I'm shocked. You, and you thought of that on the fly. Um, Suspiria? Suspiria's, yeah, yeah. From Suspiria to Teen Wolf. <laughs> Not even in a, in an Alexandra Heller Nicholas book would that, would those two uh, be strung together. Oh my goodness. Well, perhaps this is the first episode you're listening to of Good Movie Monday. And if that's the case... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> what a what a shit show. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I just feel like though it was it was unlike what the show is usually about, which is us just talking about individual films. This was the king of the segways. Like, <laughs> oh, it's got that guy in it from that movie where he does that thing in that movie, and then that one has that guy. In did it you call? Very... Did you call me the king of the segways? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, yeah, look, we have strayed from format in case you haven't noticed and, and Ben is diving into those lollies in case you haven't listened. They taste like uh, Listerine. <laughs> it's root beer, my friend. Anyway, potato. We have a TikTok account. Uh, not many people follow us there. So if you want to help us with that, just uh, look for Good Movie Monday on TikTok. You'll see funny little segments from our show, little snippets. A lot of Glenn dancing. Yeah. And bougie. Sassy, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever they call that. You do that, that one. Yeah, that one that... You can't see. No. That's <laughs> the reason I did it. So the motley crew of rap bags that you heard throughout the show were Jarrett Garn, Guillermo Troncoso, Chloe Ritchie, Adam Ross, Joe Lewis, Chad Jennings, and James Thomas. Smoking Joe Lewis. Ben, it's been fun, mate. Have you got any parting words? I like these root beer floats. They're pretty good lollies. Um, we'll get stuck into those after this. Too late. I'm already <laughs> good breakfast food. I'm already mukbanging it for our listeners. <laughs> ah, geez. Um. Okay, so we talked about private school. Incidentally, starring Matthew Modine. Yes, indeed. And uh, he was essentially the inspiration for the show with the uh, the whole Browning version, which we never got to feature as an interview on the show. So, you know, it sounds like from what you told me of the interview. <laughs> doesn't sound like it would have been very good anyway. <laughs> You're correct. Okay, so we're going to leave you with the Harry Nilsson song, uh, You're Breaking My Heart, from that soundtrack. School's out, suckers. <laughs> Later. Well, we didn't even talk about Dazed and Confused. So now we have. <laughs> You're breaking my heart.